This evening, I know I'm speaking to the cream of the crop, as Dad calls it, but I wanted to look at the topic of why we as Christians gather together. Why it is necessary for us as Christians to gather with like-minded Christians to edify and to uplift one another. My main focus point and question for this sermon is why is it important for us as Christians to gather together with our congregation every time the doors are open? The main goal of this lesson is to inform the congregation here and every member of it of why we gather together. Why we gather as a congregation and why it is important for each and every person in the sound of my voice to be sitting where you are sitting every time the doors are open and every time the elders of the church have appointed that time to gather. Firstly, this evening, when we talk of worshiping God, one aspect of that worship in our lives is gathering together as Christians. Psalm chapter 122 and verse 1 says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And we have to ask ourselves whenever we read this verse, is this our attitude? Is our attitude, I'm glad to be able to wake up on Sunday morning to come and to study and to worship God? Or maybe it's a have-to situation. Maybe you feel dragged. Maybe you wake up and you say, well, I better go because they expect me to be there. To worship God properly requires assembling with fellow Christians. <clears throat> it is very hard for us to uplift one another when we're at home, when we're by ourselves with just a few people. It's very hard to concentrate and to worship like we should when there's so many distractions around us when we're trying to worship from home or from another setting besides sitting here in the church. If you would, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10, <coughs> starting in verse 19. Appreciate Caleb reading them few verses. We're going to read them verses again. I'm going to read 19 verse through verse 27. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19, it says, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us, through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who, he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. 
the writer of Hebrews here is talking about the conversion of a man, and he tells us there and tells the people there how we have got to have faith. How we have got to have faith in God. How we have got to have faith in what the Bible says. To come and to gather with one another. To stir up love and good works. And verse 25 there. <coughs> how we should gather together and not forsake the assembling of ourselves. But exhort one another. Jesus consecrated and made a new and living way through his sacrifice on the cross. As a result, we know that we can boldly enter his church or the holy place, verse 19 and 20. And through his body, we have that ability to enter worship boldly because we know that if we are faithful in him, that we do have or we will have that home with him in heaven. One might ask, what is that new and that living way that you speak of? The one and only way to heaven, and that being through Jesus and his sacrifice. And then one might ask you, how must I go about becoming a Christian? How must I go about being a faithful Christian? Firstly, we have to draw near to God with a sincere heart. A sincere heart and full assurance of faith there in verse 22. We as Christians always have to have that strong faith. We have to hold steadfast in our faith and not waver. We have to have our hearts sprinkled from that evil conscience in repentance. In verse 22. We know that we are to be washed in His blood and after that, or after there, we, can, we repent of our sins. <clears throat> we have to have our bodies washed, like I said there, with that pure water in baptism. That pure water there resembling the blood of Christ and the remission that comes from that in full immersion. We have to hold fast the confession of our hope that it not waver. That confession meaning, meaning the obedience unto death, verse 23. We have to stand strong in our faith and in his word, and we know that we will receive that crown and be greatly rewarded in the end if we do so. We must provoke one another unto love and good works in admonition. If and when we counsel people and we study with people, we've got to enter that study with gentleness, with a gentle heart and with a passionate heart. We can't, we can't sound rude to somebody who we're, who we're trying to bring to Christ. Make sure your reproof to somebody is always a friendly reproof. Also, we cannot forsake the assembling of ourselves together because we know that our gathering together is a part of that Christian life. In order for us as Christians to be properly exhorted on Sunday morning and every time we gather together, we know that we have to be in the assembly. People might often say, I feel closer to God than anywhere. I feel closer to God on the lake. 
by myself on a boat. We know we might have that, that mindset where you'd rather be by yourself because you think you feel closer to God there, but we know that the Bible tells us to gather with Christians. Failure to live this way, knowing that it is 100% truth, puts that in the category of a willful sin. Talking about that there in verse 26. And we see there that it says there is no sacrifice given for a willful sin. And for the failure of doing that, because we know that we ought to, but we choose to do otherwise. Often we find ourselves, find it very easy to be influenced by the world. We find it very easy for the people that we hang around to bring us down. Bring us down to the category of the world instead of a Christian. No, we've always said it's easier to be part of the majority than it is to be part of the minority. We aren't talking here about missing services because of a necessity, because somebody was sick, or because you had to stay home with somebody was sick, or maybe your job gives you no option but to miss services. We're talking about whenever you choose to stay home. We're talking about whenever you could have made it, but you decided to not. Whenever you decided to maybe stay out on the lake just a little bit too long. Maybe when you decided to hit that snooze button one too many times. Or maybe whenever you choose to work instead of coming to services. We are discussing those here who as a matter of choice and a matter of preference are absent from the assembly here, not because of a have-to situation. Number two this evening, what does it mean to choose not to attend? Choosing not to attend demonstrates one's soul and their contempt for their spiritual life. It shows how on fire you are for God. It shows whether you really like serving God or you'd rather serve the world. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8 and verse 5. Romans chapter 8 and verse 5. Verse 5 says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. When these opportunities come, and the question comes on Sunday morning and Wednesday night, whether we're going to decide to gather together or stay home, we have to ask ourselves, 
When you decide not to attend, is it because of spiritual reasons or is it because of worldly reasons? Are our minds set on things of the world or do we find our minds often set on things of the Spirit? Because we see there that He will deny us if we do not have the Spirit in us. Turn over with me to Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7. Verse 7 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. If or when we decide not to attend, (coughs) if missing the gathering of the saints together is due to worldly reasons, what do you think the result will be? It tells us plainly right there, if we decide to sow things of the world, sinful things, we will reap that also. If we choose the world, we will reap the corruption that comes from the world. Choosing not to attend means choosing not to do something that you know is good for your soul. Turn with me to James chapter 4 and verse 17. Really quickly, James chapter 4 and verse 17. Verse 17 says, Therefore to him who knows to do good and does not do it, To him it is a sin. Choosing not to do something so simple as taking a few hours out of your week, just three, four, five hours out of your week to come and to gather with Christians could determine your final destination. Could determine whether you spend eternity in hell or eternity in heaven. Choosing not to attend means choosing not to give or receive encouragement to or from like-minded Christians. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24 and 25 talks about there how it is difficult to encourage others to live better if we only see them on a very unfrequent basis. You know, sometimes, I don't know about y'all, but it is very hard for me to be able to get through the week whenever I'm not here on Wednesday night. Whenever you don't have that boost of being with Christians, being with people who have the same mindset as you, it's hard to make it through the end of the week. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 26 talks about there how Worship is not just for God, 
but how it benefits us as worshipers also. Worship was solely made to edify and to uplift one another as Christians. And that is very hard to do if you decided to stay out on the boat. It's very hard to do if you decided to stay at home instead of coming to services. Choosing not to attend means choosing to violate a direct command of God. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25 plainly tells us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. They can't get much plainer than them few words right there. We have to recall also the definition of sin in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 4 which says there, whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. Choosing to violate this command of God of not to attend is a personal offense to God. Let me ask you a question. What would you think about somebody who decided to miss services to say in their lifetime you would think that they would not be a very dedicated Christian let's bring it on down what about a hundred services if somebody decided to miss a hundred services what would you think of them and bring it on down how about ten you might say hold on you're getting into my family time with just 10 services. There ain't nothing wrong with missing just a few services throughout the year. But there is. The Bible tells us that we are to be here, if at all possible, every time the doors are open. You know, the number of services you miss can be okay on certain circumstances. And sometimes there's only one person that knows the circumstances and one person that knows what your heart or what position your heart is in. When does something become wrong? Putting things before Bible study and worship is wrong because that or anything that you put before God, he thinks of it as an idol. He thinks of it as something that we're serving more than we want to serve him. When does something become wrong? Knowing that we could have made it to services, but we just plainly chose not to. Does something become wrong in the number of times that it is done? Or does something become wrong when that first action is taking place? We know, of course, that it is that action that is taking place. Let me ask you a question. If somebody went out and just say went into a restaurant, and shot 20 people. 
And they say, well, I don't think that's murder because they didn't kill 30. But we know that it just takes that one soul to be shot for somebody to be called on for murder. Is stealing wrong because of the number of times that it is done? Or it is, is it that action that takes place that first time? Of course, there being the action again. You know, if somebody's not considered a thief after they steal from you multiple times. It just takes that one time. I'm not going to, if somebody comes to me and steals something from me, I'm not going to go up to them and say, hey, you've got four more chances before I call you a thief. You've got that one time, and once you break that one time, you are considered there a thief. Some sins that are in the world today, done by us or other people, are sometimes done out of ignorance or a weakness in spirit or maybe in an unintentional way. But how many times and how many of you at times have made plans knowing that you wouldn't be able to attend services? There's just that one slight possibility that you might not make it back. We know we, we have to take our time and our personal time and form it around the times that we are set to be here instead of skipping services. And we know, obviously, a Christian does not live a sinless life, but we should not plan and try to violate a direct command of God. A true and faithful child of God will want to follow Him the closest as we possibly can. Choosing not to attend means choosing to be ignorant of God's ways. Israel of old was destroyed because of their lack of knowledge in Hosea chapter 4 and verse 6. They chose to reject God and His Word and His knowledge, so He in return rejected them. Israel sought to establish their own righteousness, Romans chapter 10 and verse 3. We see there that they were spiritually blind, <coughs> and they opposed God's way of righteousness. We as Christians have got to let our knowledge in Him grow. Turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 5. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 5. <coughs> it says, But also for this reason, given all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge. And also, flip the page there, Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 18. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 18 says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and forever. 
our knowledge in Christ must grow day by day so our faith in Him can also grow. Many people often say, as you walk out the door, that you've learned something new during the sermon. So ask yourself, how would I have learned what I heard this morning if I was sitting at home? How would I have learned what I heard this morning if I would have been on the boat? We as Christians have got to prioritize our life. We have kids schooled because we understand that on their own, most children will find something more important to do than learn. We know that that could put them in a dangerous position of becoming behind also. So we do have them schooled and basically force them to go to school. I was, I put myself in the category of being forced to go to school. No, I did, really did not enjoy my school years. I am still in school now, but I am doing a lot more hands-on work. But Dad stayed on me during school. I don't know, I, can't, I think he was in first grade. I despise reading. I could not stand to read. He come to me one day, he said, son, he said, you know all them guns down there in the basement that I got? He said, you know all them new guns that you're going to want to buy? That boat that you might want to buy one day? That truck that you might want to work on? I said, yeah. He said, well, he said, it'd be awful hard to work on them things if you can't read. So I, I straightened up my act very quick in being schooled. But when people decide not to attend services, the things that they learn and they hear rapidly diminish because oftentimes people can find what they think is something better to do than attend services every time the doors are open. And not only what we learn, what we learn diminishes, not being together with like-minded Christians makes our soul weak. But we have to be careful and not let the world overtake us. Choosing not to attend means choosing to set a bad example for maybe, maybe people that you don't really think watch you. For people that you don't really think look up to you. How many of your neighbors or your friends, your family, or maybe your spouse will be led to God as they observe your soul? As they observe how you live your life? Hopefully that being all of them. We have to at least put forth the effort. We at least have to plant that seed in their heart. You know, I, don't, I think Dad said it a few times. Your neighbors who don't go to church, they, they see you pull out of your driveway every Sunday morning. 
every Sunday night and every Wednesday night. So you are being an example to them just by doing a simple act of them seeing you pull out of your driveway. I've met people who came to a meeting service, but they were put down. They were kind of sad because the person that invited them wasn't there. And we know that that is not in a good situation. We as Christians have got to show ourselves to be an example. <clears throat> First Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12 talks about there and says, Be an example to the believers of the word. We as Christians have got to let our light shine. Matthew chapter 5 verses 13 through 16. Not only at church, most importantly, we have to let our light shine in the world. We have to let our light shine as a Christian every time we enter that workplace. Every time we enter the hallways of school. And every aspect of our life. Choosing not to attend means choosing to discourage the faithful. And we know that the Bible tells us that we never want to be a stumbling block to our fellow Christians. Perhaps maybe you think that the faithful never get discouraged. But I will be the first to tell you that that is wrong. Not choosing to attend is discouraging to the members who do show up. It's discouraging to the members, but not only discouraging to the members, it's discouraging to the speaker. It's discouraging to see, to say, well over a hundred people here Sunday morning, and not only maybe three quarters of them come back Sunday night. Acts chapter 28 and verse 15 talks about there how Paul took heart and he was encouraged when he saw people who were willing to come and to meet with him. People came a long way whenever they heard he was coming to town. So he was very uplifted. You know, I've heard of times in small congregations, multiple times in a row that only one family showed up for Bible study. Only one family showed up for worship on Sunday morning and back for worship Sunday night and Bible study Wednesday night. And it doesn't take very many times of that in a row to be discouraging to somebody. So your attendance does not go unnoticed. Even in a crowd as we are here. We often think uh, nobody will notice that I'm gone just this one time. But when everybody has that attitude, the congregation dwindles quickly. Number three, and lastly this evening, what if everyone decided to attend services as often as you? Would the church grow and prosper and grow?
grow spiritually and numerically? Or would the church wither away and die from the lack of interest? If one member can choose to attend or not to attend, that means two members can choose to attend or not to attend. And if two can, then ten can. And that meaning if ten can, then everybody can. We all have that choice whether to walk in them doors every time they are open. And let us always choose to stay close to God. Your attendance does not go unnoticed by no means. You see, your choice whenever you decide to make that decision on Sunday morning or Sunday night or Wednesday night sets the pace for people around you, for Christians around you, or it drags them down. It's a stumbling block whenever you choose not to show up. And we have to not be a stumbling block to our fellow Christian members and church members. If anything, we have got to be an encourager. Your attendance is important. So never tell yourself that you're just going to wake up and say, oh, I'm just not going to go just because I don't feel like it. Just for the simple fact of when you wake up just that one time and say, oh, I don't feel like going today, that one time can very easily turn into every single time. <coughs> In conclusion this evening, ask yourself, have I attended services every opportunity that I was able or have I failed to attend services that I could have very easily made it to and just chose not to? Is my faith wavering? Have I been a good example to the Christians around me or have I been a stumbling block? <coughs> no, maybe you've not been on fire or as on fire for God as you once was, maybe you want to make that right with God this evening. Or maybe you would like to start your walk with Christ tonight in baptism. Whatever your need may be at this time, would you please come? Together we stand and as we sing together.